0: and underway here on ESPN Plus as you see images of Museo Stadium in the aftermath of a very, very dramatic conclusion to action in Group C, which is where we find Mexico. And unfortunately, despite a victory over Saudi Arabia, by final score of 2-1, El 3 are going home out of this tournament. Argentina is through. Poland is through. Out of this group. Hercules Gomez, give me a second just to collect myself. Say something to the camera so I can take a breath.
1: I actually want to know more from you. I want to
0: know if it's worse going out this way than if they just would have scored mm. the goals and gotten it over with. We will get into that uh, in just a few minutes here on uh, Football Américas. We are going to cover... Every angle of this Mexico game and the entire now, because we can say it is over, Mexican performance at this World Cup, including the future of this team, which we know now will be without Tata Martino. We will also have some injury updates for you on the U.S. men's national team, who are through to the round of 16 against Netherlands. We got the latest on both Christian Pulisic's health and Josh sergeant's health but let's start with mexico who fall two to one in this game they are eliminated from the world cup hercules your first reactions where was this all tournament yes
1: where was this it's that easy tata martino give them a fighting chance that's what you have to do literally a good 11 a dynamic 11 Mm. 11 that's not boring in retirement with the purpose of attacking and look what can happen some goals that's what can happen i know Arabia, Saudita. I know, mm-hmm. Saudi Arabia, okay? If that's what you want to go. They didn't look good. But this Saudi Arabia team beat Argentina. Mm-hmm. This Saudi Arabia team should have beat Poland, honestly. You made them not look good. Take off the shackles, allow them to play, and this is what happens. They can respond. Give them a fighting chance. That's all you need to do,
0: Tata Martino. But it was too little, too late. Yeah, you know what's very interesting here is it felt like backed into a corner, desperate, Tata Martino finally lost his stubbornness, right? The thing that has defined his entire time in charge of this Mexican national team, whether it's on the field, who they're playing, whether it's the tactics, how they're playing, or whether it's the personal stuff, like something with Chicharito Hernandez. That stubbornness has cost Mexico the entirety of Tata's time in charge. He lost it today. It's a shame that it took them going No wins in their first two games at a World Cup for him to finally understand that you can change, you can evolve as a manager, you can try different things, you can try different people. And it was clear, Herc, that this was the Mexico, even without all the great players that aren't here, and we'll get into that later on. You could have been seeing from jump. We could have seen this against Poland. We certainly could have seen it against Argentina. And I think now I look back at that Argentino game with even more rage, because I did have some doubts internally whether, if Tata Martino had truly let Mexico go al tu with this Argentina, what would have happened? Even, even knowing that Argentina wasn't great in the opener against Saudi Arabia, having now seen this, I think they could have got something from that Argentina match. I think they maybe even could have won it playing like this. Again, again, this team beat Argentina. Whatever you're going to say, the, the gap between what we saw today from Mexico and what we saw not just in this World Cup but in the entire build-up is an ocean and to me that's unforgivable again we fall back to the manager it is unforgivable that it as you said too little too late now we find out what this team is capable listen poland could say the same thing argentina could say the
1: same thing saudi arabia could say the same Mm. thing that's how this group played out you should lament that you didn't have a better showing versus argentina i will concede Mm -hmm. in that but you lost it versus poland yeah that was the must win game poland not argentina Poland was the one you should have won, and you wouldn't be in this situation. You don't win against Poland, you're toothless, you don't attack, you have no punch, you put yourself in a situation where, like you said, you're backed into a corner, and now you're forced to. You're forced to attack. And when you score that first goal, and we knew there would be chances, we knew that Mexico would have chances the way they play, transition game. If it was open, it was about taking advantage of those chances, and they did. I found out more about Saudi Arabia today than I did about Mexico, because I knew Mexico could do this. I honestly knew they could do this. Yesterday when you did a starting 11, mm-hmm. and we spoke about the midfield, yep. I told you, I wanted to Pineda there. And you convinced me on air, which never happens. And what did he do today? He was brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant. A dynamic midfield. With the way you play in that back line, the way those uh, outside backs get involved, Gallardo was one of the best players today on the field. On the field, Jesus Gallardo, and I'm not a Jesus Gallardo believer. No, I didn't think he had a good cycle. I didn't think he deserved to be a star in this Almost World felt like
0: he was there by default at some points.
1: And he shut me up. Yeah. What a tournament, what a game versus Saudi Arabia. And then from there, a dynamic trio. Henry Martin gets his goal. What a year for Henry Martin to think that he was on the verge of being loaned out to Chivas on the outs of Blue America to that amazing year falling short
0: of the golden boot. And then, being the lone goal scorer. Look at those the numbers, 26 shots. 11 of them on goal, and expected goals of 2.17. I mean, that is such a stark contrast to what we saw again. No, can, can, I, can I point something Definitely out, against Argentina, but even out? against Poland. Go ahead. The dual percentage. That's hmm. in the midfield. That's it what felt you like mean. they were playing with
1: 12 guys tonight. Edson was sitting on the yellow, and he was still mm-hmm. very good. I mean, you had athleticism Luis Chavez, in that midfield. Luis you had three guys unplayable. who could cover ground. Orbelin Pineda was on mm-hmm. another level, this is almost what you wish, how you wish, they would have started. And I go back to Tata Martino. This starts and ends with the head coach. Yeah. People who think coaching is so minimal, no, it's not. Okay? They send the message. They put the personnel out there. Your weapon of choice, the coach chooses that. Mm-hmm. So when you go into battle, the coach chooses how you fight. This is simple. Help them out. Give them a fighting chance. And these players are technical enough Fast enough, dynamic enough, vertical enough, dangerous enough to cause a lot of havoc. I don't care who you're playing with, and I go back. Would they have won versus Argentina? I don't know. Mm -hmm. But if they play with this lineup, this 11, this way, Mm -hmm. with this message
0: going forward, play 2x2, it leaves you with a better taste in your mouth than what you saw. You know, obviously even if we go back to the last World Cup where Mexico wins their first two games, that doesn't always guarantee you passage, right? Mexico lost against Sweden in the third game in 2018 and eventually ends up watching the scoreboard and getting a lucky break that then puts them through. But when you don't get the three points from a first game that is accessible against Poland, right? That's really the game. We've said it for six, since the draw, six months since the draw, that if you get a win in that game, you put yourself in a driver's seat in a position of power. They don't, they follow that up with a, pathetic defeat against Argentina. And so we knew coming into this game, and I'll, I'll even tell you in, in what's left of me as a fan, I didn't really feel nerves coming into this because I didn't have hope. You're, we Literally, we were watching the Mexico game, and at times, Herc, I was more focused on the Argentina game, right? Hoping because they could help you out more. You needed a goal either way. You needed a Mexico or an Argentina goal, and you were hoping that, that Argentina would do it. And against Argentina, we talked about Mexico being reduced to a defensive shell. The first two results here reduced Mexico and effectively all L3 fans, to scoreboard watchers. And and that's an indictment on the team and the coach and the performance in the first two games. Because today, today on an island, was good enough. Was more than good enough. If you say, hey, you got to get a win in your last game to get through, most times that should do the job for you. Except... You didn't do anywhere near enough in those first two games.
1: Yeah, people, are failed, people fail to realize in this situation that you said scoreboard watchers, and I'm glad you did. We had the majority of ESPN Deportes out mm-hmm. here, Hugo Sanchez, Roberto Gomez-Junco, Paco gabriela some real legends of the game, David mm-hmm. listen. And not only are they watching the Mexico game, they're watching Argentina. So yeah. every goal that Argentina scores helps Mexico out, but they're hoping, they're praying they're
0: banking on a yellow card yes. to Poland because yeah. fair play comes in here. To be fair, to be fair, at the end of the game, Mexico was creating a lot of chances. scores a goal but that's offside. Juki scores said a goal that's ruled offside. you still hoping
1: Argentina helps you out more. Of course. You always a take a little help. But so, Mexico is so very it, close but to but a listen, third. I want to point that out. Listen they, how close everything is. Seth. Yeah. Okay? Mexico is close to a third that they don't get. And they still can go through with an Argentine third goal. Yeah. Or... Two more yellow cards to Poland because it goes into fair play yellow cards. And if they're tied, do you know how bonkers it is that it's so close? Do you know how the next team advances out of the group phase?
0: A coin toss. A coin toss. The, uh, can, the I, line, can I just pull the curtain back here? I literally have two rundowns in front of me. One is if they advance and one is if they don't. And we decided 10 seconds ago. The line is so
1: Thin. The yep. margin for error is so. Same fine. with
0: the United States. We were right here 24 hours Even ago. Even more so, right?
1: Even right? more so because you're de- you you depend on somebody else. Sure, sure, of course. And that's
0: that's a dangerous way to play. I guess. Yeah, I guess you could say that. Had Mexico then gotten their third, they would have, in theory, had and done it, the job and themselves theory, and not been and depending in theory, on Argentina.
1: Saudi Arabia gets that goal, the two one. You can still go and look for that third goal that helps you out. I mean, nothing really changes there yeah. for you. You still needed that third goal. They never got it. They were close, so close. I mean. Basically how I thought the Argentina game versus Saudi Arabia should have played out with all those opportunities, Mexico versus Saudi Arabia played out. Renard, for as much of a specialist as he
0: is, played this one incredibly wrong. Incredibly, like they never left the high line, right? Uh, we'll get into the specifics, block, but yes, exactly. Yeah. They gave him too much space. Yeah, and it was yeah. it was Mexico was in behind almost every like five minutes. It every felt like there was a, a really good chance. A big picture here, right? No doubt, we're going to use the F word here. Fracaso. Oh, uh, it's a failure. It's a fracaso <laughs> for Mexican soccer. But but I know, producer Beto just had a little heart Why attack I, behind the camera. I said whoa, <laughs> um, but I want to use a different word here because I heard you. I think it was on Football Picante, one of the shows that you were doing this morning, literally when the sun was coming up here in Doha. Uh, you were on with Paco Gabriel de Anda. You watch that? Yeah, I watch everything you do, bro. Uh, there we go. Uh, and Paco said, you know, he was hoping at that point, the negativity, the pessimism was so much, he was hoping Mexico would avoid un papelón, papelón. right? A disastrous, disastrous. A historic event. Yeah, a, a disastrous yes. showing, effectively. This victory for me changes it. They at least avoided el papelón here. Because if you look at it, one, one in one. A lot of countries in a lot of groups will get through on that. It's not, the math doesn't work out here from Mexico. Say it. Fair enough. Who got through on that? It's Poland. No, Poland. Oh, no, sorry. Th- yeah, Poland.
1: No, no, who got through on that? And it's considered a
0: success. Right, the United States. The United, United States. States in 2002. The, you know, yeah, the United States in 2002. One, one, one. Sure. That's and, the, Mexi- that's and Mexico in 2006, and Mexico in 2010. I that's mean, And Mexico in 1994. I mean, yes, four points usually gets you through. But do you agree with me that, that Mexico, at least here, avoided. El papelón, the, the absolute disaster. It, what Denmark? What happened to Denmark? What happens to Belgium? I don't. You still think it's a papelón, really? Can I, can I
1: tell you, just give me a second here, mm. bear with me. The cycle that has been for Mexico, the last four years for Mexico. Okay, cycle and World Cup are different, but well, I'll listen. This is what it is, okay? And, and And a lot of that is leading to the World Cup in a World Cup year. You get rid of promotion relegation in Mexico. Mm. Okay? Yep. One. Two, you go into... After the pandemic, a Campeones Cup, this is league play, okay, versus Carlos Azul versus Columbus, you lose that. You go into a Leagues Cup where you get embarrassed. You go into a CONCACAF Champions League where you get embarrassed, okay, by American opposition. You go into two finals over the summer versus your bitter rival, international, you get embarrassed. You go into World Cup qualifying play in Cincinnati, you get embarrassed. Dos are settled. Another historic, Dos are mm-hmm. You go to the Azteca, you get embarrassed. Not only that, not only is it the U.S. is eating your lunch, mm-hmm. you can't beat Canada in the Azteca. They probably should have beat you there. You go to Edmonton, they beat you. You can't beat Costa Rica in the Azteca. It takes Diego Lain is coming on as a sub versus Panama for you to get a penalty kick or it's another 0-0 game at the Azteca. Nothing about them in this cycle mm-hmm. has made me believe this isn't a fracaso of all fracasos. And on top of that, your U-20 team fails to qualify for the U-20 tournament. You fire the sporting director. You don't qualify for the next Olympics, something you highly tout. The women don't score one single goal in a tournament they are hosting mm. in the CONCACAF W. Fracaso of all fracasos for Mexico. And this is the cherry on
0: top. It's not just the cherry on top. It's the confirmation that all of those things were what we might have thought they were, right? Because on an island independently each of those like campeones cup cruz azul Columbus, anything could happen in that sure, game right that sure. doesn't necessarily mean that mexican soccer is heading downhill but when you add it all up if you get through the group phase you get to the round of 16 and maybe even magically make it to el quinto partido none of that matters oh no, you paper over the crack right though. but yeah i'm not saying that none of that is significant i'm just saying none of it matters in terms of the cycle we will eventually view the cycle as kind of a success when you don't get out of the group phase, each one of those hurdles that you tripped over now looks like, well, wait a second. Is there a deeper issue here? And I think uh, good thing we're going to be here for the rest of the World Cup because we're going to have plenty of time to discuss, I think, those many deeper issues in Mexican soccer. Let's get to the match uh, that we just saw wrapped up and the game-changing play. I think for me, it has to be the goal, the first goal for Mexico. There's, there's a bunch of game-changing or tournament-changing moments that both happened in Mexico against Saudi Arabia and also as Argentina and Poland, and that match is unfolding. But for me, having not seen Mexico score yet in this tournament, and frankly, Herc, not be dangerous at all, and then suffer through those first 45 minutes where Mexico looks likely to score but can't finish. So it's like all the complaints I've had were like, well, they're not even scoring. They're not even creating chances. Suddenly they start creating chances and not finishing. All right, back to the old Mexico. And then suddenly we get a goal. And it comes from, of all people, Henry Martin, maybe not the biggest surprise, because as you've said, he's had a great year. It comes from a set piece. It comes from a set piece, which is the known deficiency of Mexican soccer. It's Cesar Montes nodding it on, Henry Martin getting in it. And for me, why is it the goal? It's not just that it's the first goal of the tournament. It gives you hope. It creates the scenario for which we can have, as I called it while we were out there, at least a sweat. If you're a Mexico fan, you came into this game being like, I hope for the last 10 minutes of this game, I get a sweat. I get at least a chance, at least a little bit of hope. And when that goal falls, it opens the floodgates and it gives you a chance. So this is not only a game-changing
1: moment, but this is a career-defining moment for mm. Henry Martin. Mm. Henry Martin, not too long ago, almost six, seven months ago, was on the verge of being loaned out to Chivas. Yeah. To Chivas de Guadalajara. He was deemed expendable by Club America. Yep. We don't need you. And then he comes back, earns his way comes fell short of a golden boot uh, behind Nicolás Ibañez of Pachuca, but confirms the great year he is having and confirms he is one of the most informed players for Mexico and deserves to be on the field. Hmm. Henry Martín, besides the goal, was brilliant. Mm-hmm. In everything he did, a brilliant player, but it really is the goal because, as you said, te da la esperanza. gives you the hope, the faith that you can score more.
0: We talked about the many changes that Tata Martino made. You said they were too little too late, but they very much, at least in today's game, did seem to work. There were very significant, I think, changes in that eleven. none more so than the one that you pointed out last night on this show and then goes into the midfield and really makes a difference. That's Orbelin Pineda. That's a big decision from the manager and the one that here uh, pays off. We get Edson back into the eleven, and then that back line is kind of what you figured. It's not what I picked last night, but Gallardo, as you said, has been consistent and is a Tata Martino favorite. He goes back to Jorge Sanchez. Remember last night, I had wanted Kevin Alvarez. It's clear that Tata agreed with me that Alvarez is the guy who's gonna give you more going forward, because late in the game when you're desperate, it's Alvarez that comes on for Sanchez. Uh, But I think as we look across that back line, it seemed to work well tonight. Obviously the goal falls for Saudi Arabia when Mexico is full on, throwing everything including the kitchen sink out of mode and so you'll accept the goal there because you know you needed yeah, a third. You, you had to have, have a third. Yeah uh, what do you think of the 11 put forth by the manager today? I liked it a
1: lot. I especially like the midfield trio. They're just so dynamic, both sides of the ball. they can run with anybody. That's uh, it. They when, can run. When pie. Mm-hmm. they got a good touch. Good technical ability. They can weave in and out of things. Ada Pineda was brilliant. Mm -hmm. It was one of the better players, especially in the first half. Between Gallardo and Pineda were my two stars of the first half. Uh, Luis Chavez is in a league of his own. Listen, I've been talking about Luis Chavez since the first moment he came to El Tri. I told you he would be the breakout player (laughs) of the World Cup. Throw me my flowers. Give me my flowers. Give this man his flowers. I'm on that one. I, I know the kid. I played with the Micholos. Yeah. He was a U-20 player. I thought he was talented then. He's confirming his moment now. He will certainly be in Europe soon. What I liked about the trio mm-hmm. uh, was they were willing. I was underwhelmed a little bit with Alexis Vega. Okay. I thought I'd see more out of mm-hmm. him because he was one of the better players for Mexico leading up to this. We'll get into yeah. a little bit more of more underwhelming players. But the lineup itself, there are clear messages that coach sends. And the first one is to his team. By the formation and the player personnel in that formation. The idea was clear. We're going to go at goal. We need goals. And even when Edson Alvarez, who is fundamental, mm-hmm. okay? I don't care if you're attacking or you're defending. It's fundamental Thank to have for somebody who Thank is Thank you for saying that. Thank you for saying
0: that. doesn't matter. Even if you're going to go and be, a, be an aggressive attacking team, you still have a spot for Edson on the field. Absolutely. Fundamental. For him to sit on a yellow mm-hmm. and not get
1: caught up with the emotion of the game, mm-hmm. okay? He and gets still, it 15 minutes in. 15 minutes in. And still be dangerous, cleaning f- cleaning things up, uh, putting out fires, starting plays. In that midfield, I thought it was the motor of this team. Um, that's the way you're supposed to play every single game if you're Mexico.
0: Remind me what you always say about international soccer. It's a young man's game. Remind me, aside from Luis Chavez, who are the starting midfield players for Mexico against Argentina, which we, I think, both agree was by far their worst performance. It was
1: Andres Guardado, 36 years old, and 34-year-old Héctor Herrera.
0: Okay. Quick math, that's a combined 70 years of age in your midfield. The changes here, Orbelin, Edson, much younger, much younger. It's, and, and you saw it, like I said before. They looked like they had a 12th man out on you the know field. They were everywhere. You know mm-hmm.
1: what comes with that youth? Uh, being naive enough to not let the moment get to you. I mean, you saw Orbelin Pineda just say, this is my chance. I'm going to take it. I'm just going to play. I'm at a World Cup. I'm just going to play. This is what I've always dreamt of. You saw Luis Chavez. Yeah, I'm going to try this. I'm going to try to hit it from here. Why not? Let me not send this into the mixer uh, and serve it in. Let me try to hit it from here. And why not? You saw how brash,
0: how young they were, and how that paid off. I think we also learned the value of players in form over players who have maybe done something well, for you in the Well, much past. more this tournament. Because
1: usually if you're in a World Cup, and I will tell you from experience, we did like a 30-man, 30, 30 like 30-day World, uh, World Cup camp. For the U.S. So you can get that rhythm. Mm-hmm. Yes, here, it's a week. It's one week and you're in the World Cup. So you need the informed players. Raul Jimenez does you no good. Mm-hmm. You spoke about the subs and you gave Tata Martino credit for that. I don't want to give him credit for that. I thought he hurt the team today. You put Raul Jimenez in and Charlie, and Charlie...
0: Again, Raul and Charlie! Which I said, I said he, you know. You killed yeah. the team. Yeah. You
1: killed the momentum. I gave him and when Raul comes on, he's on the right.
0: Yeah, I gave him credit for not being stubborn, but that is the exact same substitution that we've seen, Raul and Charlie, at almost that exact same minute, isn't it? Yeah. I mean it's the same thing. So let's take a look at some of the stats here as we uh talk about this Mexican midfield and their work. By the way, I've got an interesting quote here from Edson Alvarez. Mm. Con el 2-0, sentíamos que estamos muy cerca. At 2-0, we thought we were very close. Unfortunately, it wasn't like that. I want to keep fighting to be here. No hicimos en los otros partidos lo suficiente. We didn't do enough uh, in the other game. Look at those ball recoveries today. 31 against Saudi Arabia. That's more than they had against Poland uh, and Argentina combined. Listen,
1: this played out how we thought it would play out. Realistically, we thought they'd be playing for the World Cup second-round destiny versus Saudi Arabia. That's a reality.
0: Okay, it's you yeah. need this result to get through. Yeah, you had you would have had to at least get three here and do more, and they didn't do enough in the other games because three's never going to get you through. Right, it's going to have to be three and maybe two. This other was the deciding game always. You right. could have gotten a win versus Poland,
1: a loss versus Argentina, which I think everybody projected. This was the one you needed always. I,
0: I'm almost sure it's going to come from the midfield. Who's your man of the match today? Luis
1: Chavez. Tra- Luis Chavez. Yeah. You can't yeah. have me just talk about this man mm-hmm. since he came into the scene and and, and it not be reflected in today's yeah. MVP. Listen. How about that golazo? Golazo. El gesto, el golpeo del balón, mm-hmm. the way almost he strikes the ball, is unlike many players in CONCACAF. Mm-hmm. Uh, from all types of distance. He puts some English on that. He's got some culture to it. He manipulates the ball in so many different ways. He can hit it at pace. He can make it go go over the wall. Free kicks. Now, let me talk to you about his just in general play. How calm he is when he's on the ball. Yeah. I mean, he's a player that can go at you with speed that defends. He's a two-way player. But when he has the ball at his feet, he's trying to scan the field. He's trying to find better options. He's trying to slow the game down. He's trying to move the game at a higher pace. He really is the real deal. Listen, I almost wish he would have come onto the scene way before. I believe he's 25 years old right now. He's 26. He's 26 years old. He's at a good level to go to Europe, but you you have to have these players going to Europe at 20, 21, 22 latest. He's such a good player, and that shelf life gets reduced because of that age. But people are starting to open their eyes to whom... Luis Travis is.
0: Yeah, Luis Chavez with a, a great World Cup and capitalizes it today against Saudi Arabia with, for me, one of the goals of the tournament so far. Maybe that's because I wear a green jacket sometimes, but uh, it was certainly a beauty. All right, let's go. Big picture here, and I mean really big picture. It's been a long time since Mexico's been in a World Cup and not gotten out of the group phase. You weren't born yet. I wasn't born yet. It was the 1970s, okay? Is this Mexico's worst World Cup ever? Well, in my lifetime, yes. Your yep. lifetime, yes. But no,
1: 1978 was very bad. Okay. They scored one goal. They lost every single game. They lost like 3 1 to Tunisia, I believe. Um, and, and, and that was a different World Cup setup. It was yes. groups. Uh, that was in 1978 where our colleague, uh, Kempis, Mario Kempis, Mario yeah. um, ended up being. But I mean, World we're Cup talking
0: winner. in terms of soccer history, we're talking about ancient history. The ball wasn't brown, but it may as well have been. In the modern era, this is by far the worst World Cup. So rephrase your question Is this the worst World Cup of the modern era for Mexico? Hands down. Yeah. And Tata Martino is the worst coach
1: of the modern era mm. for Mexico. Hands down. I'd actually say he's probably the worst coast coach. Excuse me. Let uh, me rephrase that. I would say Tata Martino is the worst coach in Mexican history because no other coach has had so much at his disposal and mm. done so little.
0: You think this is the most talented generation of Mexican players? No. Man? No. Well, you're saying no other coach has had so much at his disposal. And done so little. Look, did, did another coach
1: lose two finals in a summer? To the, no. to the U.S.? To the U.S.? Did another coach... <laughs> Was another coach not able to beat yeah. the United States, no. Canada, and Costa
0: Rica in the Azteca? The black marks on his record are many.
1: Tata Martino and this Mexican national team are not the kings of CONCACAF. Mm. They are the kings of Central America and the Caribbean.
0: That's really what it is for Tata Martino. That yeah. is his legacy with the Mexican national team. You talk about not being kings of CONCACAF, but there are niveles here, right? We're talking about Mexico's worst World Cup of the modern era. And they went 1-1-1 one, one, and one, and go out on goal difference, Yeah, right? Two. And they made it to the World Cup. So okay. when you talk about everybody else in CONCACAF and you talk about worst World Cups in the modern area, you got teams like the U.S. finishing last in 98. Okay. You got teams like the U.S. not the qualifying question? in What's 2018. I'm, what the point I'm making is that Mexico operates on another level than everybody else in CONCACAF. This is the worst World Cup, okay, in the modern era, by far, from Mexico. No, no discussion. Why there. do they operate on a different level? Because the expectations are oh, higher. There we go. Why because are the, the expectations, expectations higher?
1: higher? Because they're they're a better footballing nation. They're a footballing nation. That's that's the reality. They're, how many footballing nations are there really in CONCACAF? Three now. And Mexico, by
0: far, is the largest footballing nation. Three now. I mean. There's, there are other footballing nations, but they're not footballing powers. We're not going to call Honduras Costa Rica right now. We're not going to call those uh, footballing powers. All right. Uh, you mentioned Tata Martino is the worst manager ever for Mexico. Probably another point to your argument is also the, the guy they paid the most to to not get him out of the group phase, right? Sixth, sixth highest paid yeah. coach in this World Cup. Uh, what was his biggest mistake at this World Cup for you? And it can even go back to roster selection if you want to go back that far. I mean, it, it, it all comes down to how stubborn he is. Right. But what specifically? Well, Was it
1: the me, tactics against Argentina. Let me get to it. So so when I talk about him being stubborn, it's when World Cup qualifying is going on and your team is struggling, certain players are struggling. His inability to select from the small pool that may be Liga Mekis for him, and I know he hated watching Liga Mekis, and I could bring up names like Rocha, I could bring up names like Vigón, I could bring up names like, uh, who else would you like me to bring up? Uh, Don Luis Chavez. Luis Ch- well, whoever your case may be. but. There are moments when they're in, good, they're in a good level of play, and you can call them in, and it maybe pushes, pushes out an Héctor Herrera. It maybe pushes out a Gallardo. It maybe pushes out an Héctor Moreno, mm. and you have competition. And if it doesn't push him out, it increases the level of these players. Yeah. So he doesn't do that. He loses all these games. Okay? While he's losing all these games, he stays with this blacklist of players. Yeah. Chicharito Hernandez, blacklisted. He doesn't want anything to do with him. We can't score goals. Carlos Salcedo. Blacklisted because he had an argument with an assistant coach in the Gold Cup final versus the USAC team. Layun, uh, when he was in a good level, was part of that blacklist. Tecateo Corona at one time was part of that blacklist because Tata Martino got in a fight mm-hmm. with Sergio Concezal, the head coach of Porto. You can go back to all these different players that he just axed out. I don't want anything to do with these players, no more. And then the roster selection. Are you trying to tell me in a game like Argentina and this Saudi Arabia game. A player like Diego Linus yep. wouldn't be valuable that's to you. That's where I'm at with it. A player like Santiago Jimenez wouldn't be
0: valuable to you. Mm-hmm. Raul Jimenez can we can we move. Can we go back to the specific thing you said? The subs at 77. Raul, Charlie. Give me Santi, Jimenez, and Linus, and that's different. Or Chicharito, the all-time leading goal scorer in the history of the Mexican
1: national team when you need a goal. yeah. Who else would you rather have? It all falls on Tata Martino. Everything. All of this. And Tata Martino now is in this mode. I, I can't wait to see what comes out of Tata Martino's mouth because he he is going to go full-blown, just
0: open up the closet, hear the skeletons, and yeah. I'm going to tell you where all the dead bodies are at. The roster decisions are bad. I think we also have to point out that when we talk about his biggest mistakes, the game against Argentina, I think, will live in Mexican soccer folklore and not in a good way for a very long time. In large part because... Tata Martino is from Argentina, right? And, and that's people are never going to forget that. But the way that he betrayed Mexican soccer's DNA and put the team out to defend. And bottom line, we look at what happened today, right? You go out on goal difference. You go out on a goal difference when you literally sacrificed what Mexico is to try and minimize goal difference. So your game plan was to limit the damage against Argentina, and you still you still lost by multiple goals, which ends up being the difference that costs you here. How many, right? how many times have they played a line of five? Three or four. And in, in competitive games, I can only think of one. Costa Rica
1: semifinal in Concrete Nations League. That's yeah. the only one. Yeah. How many times have they played that line of five with two forwards that aren't true forwards? Uh, never. 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 How many times have they Against played Argentina. that lineup? Never. How many times have those 11 played together?
0: Probably never. Yeah, And in the biggest of moments, this is where you want to experiment. Yeah, yeah. So uh, plenty of choices then to pick from when it comes to Tata Martino's biggest mistakes uh, at this World Cup. All right, it's not all the manager, right? Some of it does come down on the players. For you, Hercules Gomez, who is the biggest underachiever of this Mexican group at this World Cup here in Qatar. Well, it's Raúl
1: Jiménez, but it doesn't just go Raúl Jiménez. This World Cup, it goes with everything that it Man,
0: I've, I've, I'm Jimenez. sorry. That that might actually be Tata Martino's biggest mistake. I know you're about to dump on Raúl, but the no, insistence no, no, no. on I'm, staying I'm, with I'm him, going, I'm
1: going with Tata Martino here as well oh. because it's a combo. It's a, it's a yes. it's a package deal. Uh, Raúl Jiménez has not been the same player yeah. since that very unfortunate incident with David mm. Luiz in the Premier League. I would argue that Raúl Jiménez is 18 year, Oh, sorry, 18 months. That he was very successful in the Premier League was more of an abnormality than what's going on right now. He's never been We'll that never know. Scorer. We'll never know because of the injury. I think that's but, harsh. But here we are, and in World Cup qualifying, he was a year-leading goal scorer mm-hmm. with three goals, all penalty kicks. Yeah.
0: He's not scored a goal from open play since 2020. And he's not done the thing that he's from supposedly also team. very good at, which is bring others in and make the attack look great. And this World Cup, he looked a shadow of himself mm. physically.
1: I thought... If Tata Martino, I had assumed, if Tata Martino was going to bring him here and play him, it's because he was physically fit. So then it becomes on the player. If you proved you're physically fit, it becomes on the player. Herc, I
0: don't think he ever proved he was physically fit. We were hearing reports one week, two weeks out that he could hardly walk. That's on the manager. The manager puts a player in an impossible spot. It's a a combo deal. Yeah. When you say underachiever, I guess it's, for me, the definition is more who did I expect something big from? I never expected anything from Raul. Even when he was starting and qualifying, within six months of that injury, it was, it was heartbreaking. It was really heartbreaking because he was headed to becoming a very special player on the world level. Uh, but it was clear that he was not going to return to being that player. For me, the biggest disappointment of this tournament, the biggest underachiever, is the player who, for me, is playing right now for the best club of any Mexican player. And that's Chucky Lozano. Chuki Lozano has a, big role, has a big role with Napoli, who I don't think many a people... big role? You don't think he has a big role, Herc? No. We're, okay, why doesn't he have a big role? Is he a
1: consistent starter
0: for yes. Napoli? Yes, no, in big not. games, yes, he is. Come on, yes, he is. No, go, look the, go look at the last two months. Okay, okay. Producer go Beto, ahead, get, give me a stat. He get was him in Celote, the slack. He wasn't with so Go ahead. That's fine. Go ahead. I expect big things from Chuki oh. Lozano. Did you hear that, Chuki? I expect very big things from Chuki Lozano. Go ahead. You don't expect big things from Chucky Lozano. You think he's a trash player who doesn't play for Napoli. Make the case. Go ahead. That's Why what didn't I you? Said. Who did you expect more from? That's what I said. Who did you expect I more he was from? One of Mexico's most who did you expect players. more from tonight? Yeah, if you were sitting in, in the, the stands Cup. and he was going to shoot in the ball, the, you forty said the years. World Cup. He was terrible you didn't say tonight. tonight. He was overcooking crosses. Oh, oh. Remind me. When did he score? <laughs> when did he score? How many goals did
1: Mexico score? When did he assist? How many score? How many goals did he score? The Mexico. I'm score? asking you. Seb- you're asking about the. He's world supposed top. to
0: be the most goal-dangerous player. Zero goals, zero assists, and you know what? He even got himself into dangerous opportunities. He did so against Poland. He did so again tonight. And the final pass you was always picked lacking. You could anybody, and you chose Chucky Osano. I I picked the guy with the highest oh, expectations my. who has nothing on the score sheet. Yeah. All right, give me somebody. Give me somebody else then, aside from Raúl Jiménez, who could barely walk before the tournament. Uh, if you're are you gonna to want to go tonight, or do you want to go overall in tournament? Tonight? Tournament.
1: Uh, probably Hector Moreno. You can go Guardado. Ah, you, can uh, go you expect? You were saying you those go. guys shouldn't play. You're saying it's a but young they man's did game. Play. But they did play. Sab. When is it going to be also the players' fault? Because they
0: did play. Huh. So it's the players' fault, but not Chucky Lozano's fault.
1: No, no, no. But Chucky Lozano wasn't as bad as all those other guys. You said the most.
0: What did he do? Remind me of a play. But you said the Remind most. Remind me of a play. Don't single out Chuki Lozano because Lozano. Chuki Lozano. Because he didn't give you the same
1: sensation that, you did, but that he did four years ago. Chuki
0: Lozano got every opportunity to make a difference oh, in this was World Cup. He one of the Cup. most
1: dangerous players from Mexico.
0: Listen, I know what you're saying. Fine. We sat here for the but last two the episodes most. and said that Mexico created no danger. How can you talk about Chucky Lozano being the most dangerous player? Please. There's a difference between no danger Alexis Vega was dangerous. more dangerous than him against Poland. Not tonight. Against, we're talking about the whole World Cup. All right. Alexis okay, hey. Vega. Luis Chavez was more dangerous tonight. Why, why does tonight? that argument work only when you say it? Because I'm the host. <laughs> Así son las cosas. <sighs> uh, um, all right.
1: Chucky Lozano. You could have gone with anybody and you would have oh, Lozano. no, no. Chucky said... Chucky Lozano.
0: Okay. Chucky Lozano has 10 starts this season for Napoli, but Hercules Woo-hoo! says he's a, he's a bit role player. That's exactly what I said. Uh, for the team that leads Serie A by, I think, eight you points hate right now. It's, I'm it's just rolling, rolling through the Champions League unbelievable. All right. Uh so anyway, uh you badmouth him when it comes to his club play, I badmouth him when no. it comes to his uh, international Did play. Not bad-mouth him. Let's find let's find some uh something positive here. Maybe just a little bit. Algo rescatable de este torneo. Something that that we can rescue and and take home with us and maybe feel good about. Uh who from the Mexican side improved their stock the most? And in this tournament, I'm thinking maybe with the potential for a a move on to Europe. Luis Chavez. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I can't I can't
0: I mean let me ask you about Luis Chavez then, because you've already you know, thrown your flowers both at him and at yourself for, for telling us how great he was. He's 26 years old. What kind of money, you know this very well because you're in Liga MX. you've played in that, in that world, in that economy. Uh, what kind of money would he be on, and how might that play a factor into where he could go in Europe? Because here's, here's what I'm thinking. Luis Chavez, great World Cup, could definitely play in a lot of places in Europe. I'm wondering, could he get a deal somewhere where he's going to be paid as well as he is in Mexico? Because that's a big chunk of the issue with Mexican players not being exported uh, and not going abroad is because they make great money at home, they're comfortable, they don't need to go. He's clearly a starter in the national team now for whoever the next coach yeah. is is going to see it. Let's Do you think that the window is closed at 26 given that um, he's playing for a club pachuca that's not maybe a huge, huge spender? No, No, um, but they're a a good seller. And you said he just got a contract recently? Yeah, they're a good seller. Yeah, they are. And players that Pachuca
1: have sold recently or going far back, you have Chucky Lozano, you have Eddie Gutierrez, you have Héctor Herrera, uh, Jürgen Damp to Tigres, that's $10 million. Kota uh, you know, they're a good selling team. Um, what I will tell you here, mm-hmm. uh, let's say, for argument's sake, okay, because he, he came from Cholos, the U-20 system of Cholos, to Pachuca, and he was not known, so he wasn't on a big contract by any means. Let's say they put him on a little less than a million net, okay? Okay. Let's say they do that right now. They're only doing that because they
0: want to increase that transfer fee, that sell price. But to that point, is a European club going to come in and drop? So what's it going to take to get them out of Pachuca? I guess it's really the question I'm asking you. Five million, 10 million, 15 knowing, knowing million. Knowing Pachuca, it'd have to be a little over 10 million. Okay. See, that to me is, I mean,
1: in the, in the modern day, that really is nothing, if we're being well, honest. I mean, we're in this pandemic football transfer. I, I mean, it's something. You okay. Know?
0: But do you but think it's too Pachuca, high a number? Do you think somebody will come in for him? And where would you like to see him land? I think he's perfect for Spanish football. I was thinking the same yeah, thing, like yeah. mid-table La
1: Liga, something like that. I've been a Celta de Vigo, who has got a very good relationship with a team like uh, Pachuca.
0: Yeah. Uh, so they paid Real Betis paid already gone. what 15 million around for Diego Lainez. Uh, this player is obviously in a much different place in his career. You might say, having played on but the international stage, and Diego much Lainez better
1: was a project. I think this is a player that's much more ready to come in and actually
0: contribute. And so you think you think there will be interest for him at around. The price that you're talking about? Give or take a million, yeah. I think that's the price, yeah. Um, Okay, so I'm with you. Luis Chavez, 100% a standout. Hope he makes the move. I'm going to go a little bit younger in terms of the player who boosted his stock more, uh, and that's Cesar Montes. One of the big questions around this Mexican team, not just coming into this World Cup, right, but really for the entirety of World Cup qualification was what's that pairing going to be? Who's it going to be? The one consistent thing that we got in this World Cup, and it wasn't Néstor Araujo... It wasn't Hector Moreno the Veterans, it was Cesar Montes. And I know there wasn't a lot of highlights in that Argentina game, but he was very, very good in that game. He was very, very solid. And if you go back to the Poland game, what was our big, big worry about Mexico? Yeah. Set pieces Lewandowski. and Lewandowski in the box. Yeah. And nothing. And I'm sure there are other guys who deserve credit for that, but Cesar Montes is is principal. In that, and this is a player who, remember, had problems with his club, Rayados. had even thought about taking a move to Russia when okay. that seemed like Pull a— Pull the curtain back on that so people understand what goes on in Liga Amequis. Liga Amequis,
1: like these clubs, the way they operate is, they want to be the manipulator of where you go. Right. They want to orchestrate the deal for their benefit. So when that wasn't happening to Monterrey's benefit, they put him on the bench. Mm-hmm. They put a national team starter on the bench, and that's when Hector Moreno started playing more. So he comes back into the fold, and at one point, his willingness just to go anywhere in Europe, to get out of Monterrey, he was willing to accept a contract in Russia, a federation that can't do European competition. Yep. Yep. He was willing to go there. How times have changed. He's not going to be looking at a Russian club. This most likely will mean bigger and better. Uh... Lots of murmurs and rumors that it
0: may be a La Liga club. Espanol, specifically. Espanol specifically. And we're hearing that, that there's a very good chance That's that very happen. far
1: advanced. For, yeah. Moises Jorenz, our correspondent uh, here at ESPN, is the one who's reporting that. He is that player right now. And people need to realize, like, he's been that player since he exploded onto the scene. The first goal ever in that stadium. That beautiful, huge stadium for Monterrey. It's Cesar Montes's goal when he was, like, 17, 18 years old. You know, against Benfica. He has that air for the dramatic, he's played well. When everybody thought it would be Johan Vasquez at the Olympics, he's the next big player, this and that. Pumas, he's gonna go to Italy. It was Cesar Montes who was the standout. Mm-hmm. Whenever he says it's Johan Vasquez's time at the national team, it's Cesar Montes who wins out.
0: I ask you, you know, if Luis Chavez window is closed because he's 26, Cesar Montes is is 25. Do you think he can go to an Espanol, step in, and be a, a lockdown starter? Because what's he's not leaving Rayados to go sit on the bench? No, and he makes good money at Rayados, It's a big club in Mexico, and they could. Afford. And Real is much less likely to sell than yeah, Pachuca. Just no as we know, they have no need to sell.
1: They, they've mm-hmm. they've got players on the bench over over millions of a million net easily. Uh, Cesar Montes has a few things going for himself. One is the size, but not just the size. It's what he does with that yep. size. Because so he's, got he's speed, a skinny tall guy. He's got technical ability. He's good in the air. He comes out playing. He anticipates well. He, he really has the opportunity to be the total package.
0: Yeah. Uh, of course, one of the big moments of this match doesn't come from this match. It comes from Lionel Messi in the first half against Poland when he misses a penalty. Now, I'm not saying that Lionel Messi Missed that penalty, which eventually could have kept Mexico out of the round of 16 because he was angry at Canelo Alvarez for taking (laughs) shots at him on Twitter. But maybe, just maybe, as Messi now is in the dressing room doing all the math, seeing what happened, and he knows that Mexico is out, that Canelo somewhere is crying Tears of pain. No, exactly. he says. You know what? I'm okay that I missed the penalty because Mexico's gone, and Canelo was taking shots at me for supposedly, supposedly disrespecting Mexico's jersey a few days ago. Has uh, now actually backpedaled. Now he'll remember the night of. It was what, like a 38 tweet thread. Uh, but there you can see uh, Canelo very much backing off his uh, charges of disrespect against the no, other. for Messi. Canelo. It,
1: it takes a big man to recognize that you made a mistake. So good, good on Canelo. Yes, there you go,
0: champ. And a bigger man to uh, recognize just that you made a lot of mistakes uh, on Twitter that evening. There it is, the final standings in Group C. Argentina are through as group winners. They will face off against Australia. Poland going through second. Mexico on four points, third and out of the World Cup in the group phase
2: must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
0: From Barkley to Biden, everybody celebrating the U.S. 1-0 victory over Iran on Wednesday. Absolute scenes back at the U.S. Hotel upon the team's Victorious return, those scenes include one very happy Christian Pulisic who actually beat the team back to the hotel from the hospital after his scary collision just before the half on the goal scoring and game winning play for the US. Now, amidst those celebrations, much has been made of, let's say, the body language of Gio Reyna, who we know was a DNP in the first game, a DNP in the third game, did come off the bench, in the 83rd minute against England in the second game of this World Cup for the U.S. men's national team. Herc, is Gio's body language, given everything that this kid has dealt with in the last week? Something, nothing, or everything? It's unfortunately everything. <laughs> really? We're not—we're yeah. lo- not—let me—I mean, play devil's advocate as always. We're not overanalyzing this. We're not looking too much at, like, a few— clips of video
1: so there are players Mm -hmm. almost every player that can't hide their emotions they're incapable of doing it and then there are younger players like Gio Reyna who are still figuring themselves out some older players are a little better at trying to do it Mm -hmm. but we're all human you're stuck somewhere in between being excited for your team yeah but you're angry and you're pissed off. Is it not you're just not playing?
0: Is it not just that he isn't playing, but what's happened around him not playing? And it's unfortunate, yeah. what's happened
1: around him that's put him, I think, in this weird headspace. Yeah. And that's the worst place to be as an athlete. And at, your, at a World Cup, your first World Cup, at the biggest moment of your sporting life to date, you're in this headspace. Whether it's your fault or somebody else's fault, what you think is just or unjust, here you are. You should be excited. Your team just pulled, up a his, pulled off a historic achievement with this very young team. Mm-hmm. And they're celebrating. They're singing. They're dancing. They're taking videos. And you have your headphones on. Yeah. You want nothing to do with that moment. You want to just melt away. I know the feeling. I know the feeling. It's unfortunate that the onus has been put on Geo, mm-hmm. which I think
0: has put Greg Berhalter in a very uncomfortable position. One he created with the, you know, incongruences, the inconsistencies Slightly, after the first, but then press it was happens. created in a
1: different way yes. and then magnified in a different yes. way.
0: And we have to point out by Eric Wendalda, former U.S. men's national team player, because we talked about it which on this show, which put the
1: onus on Greg Berhalter, mm-hmm. and Greg Berhalter is being forced to answer questions yep. about that
0: mm-hmm.
1: in the Iran presser instead of everything else. So in the back of his mind, he must be thinking, what does Gio think? Mm. And Gio must be thinking, what does Greg think? Mm-hmm. So now Gio's in this weird headspace, because I still think there's an opportunity for Gio in these knockout rounds to be a hero. Mm-hmm. There's too much talent in that player to let it go to waste over some silly,
0: stupid, rumor mill, cheese stuff. Yeah. That's a reality. Uh, and just to clear that up, Eric Winalda has since effectively recanted almost everything that he said. Uh, it makes it I told you here on this show, Eric Winalda loves attention and Eric Winalda exaggerates. Let me talk to you about Gio Reyna.
1: Gio Reyna right now mm-hmm. should have been part of that game. Gio Reyna shouldn't have watched the team suffer for almost eighteen minutes. Right.
0: There was a roll for him back last night.
1: In a defensive shell, suffering, nail biting, praying, hoping that there's not a play, a penalty kick, there's not a play on goal. So you can advance out of this group in a very controllable game, a game that you had. Gio Reyna could be that man to come on anywhere in the field. Midfield, up top, out wide, get the ball, keep the ball for you, do something for you. That wasn't what happened. Mm. What had happened was Gio Reyna frustrated watching this all unfold, now doubting himself in this headspace. And this to me is confirmation. And can't nobody... Tell me otherwise. I've been there. Yeah. I've seen players who are there. Everybody who sees Gio Reyna, this body language, it should speak volumes to you. And it's unfortunate because it was created.
0: So when you... It was
1: created. It was generated. It was fabricated by somebody else.
0: Yeah. When you say everything, it makes me think that it's going to impact Gio Reyna moving forward, which is why I wouldn't put it at everything. I would put it at something. Well, oh, that uh, remains to be seen. Right. You're right. 100%. But here's what I will point out. So... On yesterday's show, I referenced a report from Gibran Arraque, who covers the Mexican national team. The big news from his report was that Tata Martino ain't coming back. But in that report, he said that the team was, in their last training session, head down and fractured. Now, I spoke to ESPN's Mauricio Emay this morning, and he said, I didn't see the team fractured. I saw two very specific players off to the side. Those two players, Edson Alvarez, Jorge Sanchez, who did not play against Argentina and were very upset about it. They get the chance to play today, and how did they play? Well. They played well. So I think if you're telling me there was a role last night for Gio and we don't know Christian Pulisic's status quite yet for Saturday. There could be even a bigger role for Gio against Netherlands. I would not be sh- shocked if he plays and plays well cuz you that's always talk, I, about that you talk about that chip. You talk about that chip he's I'm got. And I'm banking
1: it. on that chip. Let me ask you a question. Was it something nothing or everything for those players? It was everything in the ah, moment, but it didn't but it didn't, ah. it didn't imp- And that motivates you. That will get but you going. But everything
0: means to me that it, your head's gone. That's
1: exactly what I just told you. I think there's an opportunity for him in these knockout rounds to be the hero. Okay. To be the man. To be the player we all think he can be. That ceiling. That's Giovanni Reyna. There's nobody who has a ceiling like Giovanni Reyna. Nobody who has that talent level. Christian Polisik may be the poster boy, the talent level for me, the talented one for me, is Giovanni Reyna. There's gonna be a moment for Gio in this game against the Netherlands. There's gonna be a moment for him to do something special. But now it's on Giovanni Reyna. That chip that we mentioned, mm-hmm. what I love about him, the closest thing that the U.S. Men's National League has to a Clint Dempsey, he's got that. You can see it here with how angry he was. I could only imagine if this was Clint Dempsey how
0: angry he'd be. What would have happened? Gio Reina has a very high ceiling. You know who else has a high ceiling? Yunus Musa. And last night, after the big win, he spoke with our Sam Borden. Let's listen in
2: an amazing win for you guys tonight how would you describe what it felt like to see that goal go in
3: yeah um, seeing that goal go that first goal go in it was like okay um, you know we've done we've done one of the hardest things you know to beat them um, the defense and score and put, put ourselves in a position to go through. So the rest that we had to do was uh, make sure we either scored again or maintain a clean sheet. So, yeah, um, it was a great feeling to see that goal go in, man. This
2: was the goal, right? You guys talked about getting out of the group stage. What's the goal now?
3: Yeah, so initially, obviously, as I said, we looked at it as uh, as two kind of tournaments. Um, The first was the group stage. Um, Yeah, we've done a great job there. Three very tough matches we got through now. And then now we're looking at the second part, which is the knockout stage, um, taking game by game. So, yeah, uh, you can't really look ahead. You have to live in the moment. Uh, We've got the Netherlands now, and uh, we have to prepare for that as the best we can uh, because it's going to be a tough game. How would you describe what... Christian Pulisic
2: brings yeah. to this team.
3: Yeah, no, he's done it again. He's done it again. Um, he brings a lot to the team. Uh, great guy off the field. Very good, nice guy. And then on the field, uh, everyone everyone sees his brilliance. Um, he's there at the right time, at the right space. <laughs> so, I mean, um, no, very, very happy that uh, he's my teammate. Very happy. Um, I always get to learn from him, and he's a great, great guy.
2: What do you think you guys will need to do to have success against the Netherlands?
3: Yeah, I feel like um, we have to keep growing every game, so uh, which we have been doing. And now we have to grow for the next game, you know. Um, every game we learn new things in this competition. Uh, no one's, not, none of us apart from, you know, some people have, have played this competition. So now every game we learn and uh, that's, that's the key thing, like every day get better, every game get better, yeah.
2: Last thing, obviously, uh, as birthdays go, this was uh, a pretty interesting one. How would you describe what it was like to have your birthday be yeah. one of the biggest matches of your life?
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's um, such a round number 20, my um, teen years are gone. And um, to, to be able to take part in this match uh, on my birthday and get, get through, I mean, you can't really describe that. You can't even top that, man. So, no, I'm very happy. Um, not many people get to do this, so I'm very grateful.
2: Thanks very much. Uh, his
0: teenage years are behind him. How old? How old are <laughs> Eunice Moose? Uh, there you see the heat map, some of the stats. What do you think his performance uh, so far here at the World Cup, Hurt? I think it's been brilliant. Yeah? Yeah, I've criticized Eunice before for no end product, but that doesn't matter
1: with how he's playing defensively. I mean, this, this man is possessed in the center of the midfield. Uh, the things that make... Younis Musa so good are his ability to drive the ball. He's not done that, and I still think we're going to see the best of him. But when he adds this defensive work rate in the center of the midfield with Tyler Adams and Weston McKinney, with his ability to drive – that is really what his, is his bread and butter, mm-hmm. because he eliminates players. And when you eliminate players, that opens up other players. He's pulling the strings with how he carries the ball. Look at this. This is versus Mexico. Look at him right here. So dude. calm on the ball. He's going to eliminate a defender. And when you eliminate one, you eliminate Woo. two. What does that do? That forces players to come at you. And you draw numbers, and you get it. Look at this. One little ship. He gets out of players, and then boom how effective how crazy that is when you have that ability that pace to eliminate when he players was doing that this was in cincinnati where i thought it was his coming out party he's just that good he's that guy on the ball he's so silky so smooth he's got great vision but it's the pace with the ball the technique the skillful uh, the skill excuse me that he has but more than anything it's the vision when you can eliminate players multiple players in the midfield mm-hmm. That draws defenders to you. And when you draw defenders and you have the ability to scan the field, you have, ability, you have the ability to set up the play that sets up the goal because he's not very productive in terms of goals and assists, but he's the guy that sets
0: up the goals and the assists. You know what's really interesting? He's not been a part of the program all that long. He committed to the U.S. in March of 2021. Yeah. It's not even two years ago. And I think when we talk about Greg Berhalter, and we talk about the things that he's done well. We talk about recruiting the dual nationals. I think Yunus Musa is his biggest win. You might say, well, Sergino Dest is, is a great player as well. Serginio Dest was working with the U.S. youth national teams first. And if you hear why Dest ends up choosing the U.S., he says it's because they were with me early on. Before I was a thing at Ajax, they had their eyes on me, right? That loyalty was built in. That's not the case with Musa. Musa starts in the English setup, and he plays a lot for England. you 15, you 16, you 17, you 18. He's a big part of that England youth setup. Greg Burhalter went in there. Is like going into your rival state's backyard and snapping a kid up. That is a huge win, where he probably didn't expect. I mean, if you look at the odds, there you say we're not going to get this kid. England's a better program, and they have put in more work. They also had Ghana and Italy after so, him. So what is Greg Berhalter doing to convince these kids? To me, it's Greg burhalter's biggest win, and we just talked about you know Mexican players who may have upped their stock. He's been at Valencia a while now, and Valencia is a selling club, right? Under yeah, Peter, they Lee. weren't even playing him in the center. They want they want to make their money. Do you think? we could be seeing a player ready? Because Valencia's, well, it's a selling club. It's not a bad level. Do you think he's ready for something more? Or is he just convincing you that he should now go back to Valencia and be the guy, be a starter every week? He's got
1: to take that next step in his career. Valencia's a, a great team, great league. But if you have teams like... Milan and Inter Milan Mm -hmm. who are chasing you who want that signature that is a logical next step it's a logical next step in pay pay. it's a logical next step in what is uh play Mm -hmm. um Champions League consistently uh, that sort of deal I think it's also what he needs I'm starting to see this defensive side to him now okay at that added layer to his game I think that was what was missing for a lot of maybe those scouts, a lot of those teams, to think that he could be ready for the next level.
0: Uh, he's got a six-year deal right now at Valencia that he signed in 2020. He's got a $100 million release clause, so that sounds like a lot. But apparently Valencia is trying to re-sign him, and we just talked about it. Whenever they're trying to re-sign you, it's so that they can uh, sell you Absolutely. for more. All right, uh, let's hand out some grades here. We're feeling very scholarly on Football Américas tonight. Let's look at the U.S. group phase as a whole, and let's focus our grades in on the manager. What grade are you giving Greg Berhalter for this group phase where his team gets five points and gets second place and gets through to the round of 16? It's group B? Let's go with the B+. Let to tell you why a B+. Uh, mm-hmm. Get out of the group
1: should be an A, right? They did that. It's borderline A for me. Yeah, he, ah, so he, what are you docking the points here's for? Here's why. I think Greg Berhalter has learned... Every single game. And he's gotten better from that. But there's still the moments. There's a reason why you have to learn from it. In Poland, second half, Wales. I'm sorry, Wales. Why did I say Poland? It's okay. Wales, well, second half. Mm-hmm. First half, very good. Second half, it's Wales who are putting you on the back foot. It's Wells, who've overtaken you physically. They've overtaken you physically. He gets it wrong there, but he learns from it versus England. They get better, they put in a very complete performance Mm -hmm. against a very good English side. Not just a good result, a good performance. Good performance. But then it's Iran. And the first half, you should kill them off. You don't. But you don't help your team. Is that on him or the players? You don't help your team. In the second half... Should sweep- kill
0: them off is the players, not the coach. Go ahead, Sever. No, go ahead,
1: Seb. Go ahead. You don't kill them off. So now, instead of playing the same way and trying to get the second goal, you come into a shell. You make a sub with 10 minutes left of going to a line of five. You throw Walker Zimmerman. You go on the right-hand side, Shaq Moore. You invite pressure. It turns into... 20 minutes of you trying to weather the storm. You put in Haji right there. Haji Wright, who the part of the grade is probably the personnel and who you choose here. But you almost cost your team because Iran is one goal away from tying this. And they are through the next round. The subs for me in all the games have somewhat not been the optimal subs. Somewhat not been what I would have liked. He got out of it unscathed. But that doesn't mean they were right. It doesn't mean it was correct. You got out of the group. I think it's a victory in itself. And it's not a complete A because I'm not convinced mm. with the game management in the second half, which is, was a bread, something that was a bread, bread, his excuse me, his bread and butter uh, in
0: World Cup qualifying. All right. To that point, th- the criticisms of him in World Cup qualifying were starting lineups. I think we're safe to say he nailed those throughout the group phase. To your point of, about Wales, I'll take that, that the second half didn't go well and that it's a tactical adjustment from the. Other coach that kind of gives uh-huh. his team, Wales, Rob Page, the, ad- the advantage. However, something I've, I've learned from rooming as you know, with, with Nader Manua, he says every game has an ebb and flow, and there's, there's a point where both teams will be on the front foot. That's just football. Okay. So I'm not as worried in the context of six halves about one half where the other team was on the front foot. What about foot? a critical moment, which, which is essentially a knockout game? You're saying the Iran game? Yes. Your criticism is that he dropped them into a shell too early. At, at all. At all. Did it work? <laughs> I mean, they held on to the shutout. They held on to the clean sheet. They won. They advanced. He put on guys to hold on to a lead. Did they hold on to that lead? You're, you're docking That's him. That's the tactic now. That's a tactic for you.
1: I'm it sorry. Worked. Teams don't it try worked. to hold on to leads? It worked. It worked. But, Seb, you don't need to hold on to a
0: lead. You criticize. You're, 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 you're criticizing criticized. the results. It's results. It's a results-driven business. Santa
1: Martino. For betraying their DNA. And what happened? You he Chris set died. out for a 0-0,
0: zero, zero, and the result was
1: not a 0-0. Zero, zero. It was a 2 Seb, nothing multiple Seb, goal defeat. It beat. could have been a 1-1 one, one Could have, should have, would have. Could have,
0: should have, would have. It wasn't. It but wasn't. that's what coaching is about. You have to learn How from it. How many big turn, big saves did Matt ha- Turner have to make while they were getting shelled, as you say? How many? Remind me. So that worked a out ver, for you? I'm s- it did, yes. It worked out. So so Cameron Connervaker's putting his hand over the opponent, and they're
1: not being a PK, and it being reviewed is okay for you. Yeah, because four they're officials looked at it didn't have a problem with it. Absorbing pressure. Yes, you have is to good do it. for you. That was good for you. The, the Haji yeah. right sub was good for you. The leaving Gio Reyna out was good for you. I'm just trying to get this right. The things that I, was good for you. I'm yes giving no. him an A minus. Yes or no? No, no. it was good for you. I'm going to tell yes you why I no. gave him an A minus. Yes or no? Was it good for you? What? You, said, you mentioned 13 things. The line of five, Haji right on. Christian, excuse me. Uh, and uh, Giovanni Reyna not on. That that's was good, good for, for me
0: because right. it worked. Because it worked In just, the That's end, all I need to know. I'm so. giving him an A minus, okay? Obviously, there's don't lots... not give him an A plus! No, I'll tell you, you pray, A-. Pray, A+. I'll tell you why I'm giving him an A minus. and it worked. Give him an A plus! I'll tell you why I'm giving him an A minus. You don't need to tell me. Gio Reyna. The Gio Reyna handling of that. The, because we can blame Eric Winaldo all we want. You've blamed Eric Winaldo But if you... you well, I think he deserves blame. He is okay. largely culpable for this. Okay. Do you, don't, you disagree? I think it's very unnecessary. Yes. Okay. But it all starts with Greg Berhalter and the inconsistencies there in the press conference. So, for that, I, I have to give him, I have to dock him some points. Okay. But I got to look at this. He's had not just he's not just gotten the team to advance, so that means they got good results. Right. They've played well for we'll give him five of the six half, right? Yeah, and we've and said maybe this. even looked better than the opposition, and that opposition includes England. one of the tournament favorites, yes. England, right? Said that. So I give him lots of credit for that, and I also think we have to acknowledge what he's done. With what he has, because this is, as you put it, very many times, the most talented generation of American players. He's finally got him to look like it, but there are some deficiencies in this group, right? There are some deficiencies in this group. There's not a true number nine. Okay. Okay. And so he's, he's navigated this group phase. There were huge questions about the back line. Okay. He found the right four. And then when he needed to make one change, he made a very brave so, decision in CCV. Okay. Okay. Keep and going. that worked out. Keep going. So he's made big decisions with a young team, the second youngest here. And I have to give him tons of credit, Herc. As big a mistake as the Gio thing is, I think he gets equal points for the handling of the Iran situation. The buildup to it the press conference, and most importantly, what he acknowledged, which he told the guys, and he told us he was going to tell the guys, look back at 98. There's an emotional charge to this game, and if you don't match it, we will lose. And he got the guys, as I said last night, to match it without going over the line. The U.S. played great to start that game, and they sent a message to Iran that says, whatever emotional edge you think you have today, you don't. And I think a lot of that credit goes to the coach. Okay. That's why he gets – the only thing I can really truly pick out is Gio. Okay. the handling of the Gio. The only negative for you is Gio.
1: Let me just ask you one thing. Mm -hmm. You're trying to tell me you didn't see anything wrong with the golden generation. The worst game they've looked was what? Wales, second half? Wales, yes. Okay, like a below average program and coach. They tac- qualified for the world cup tactical, out of you way far. Let her. me finish. Made one tactical change and made you look the worst of them all Again. including England. And, and, and that's not a negative for you. There are ebbs and flows no, no, I'm in just games. Asking. I'm just asking. There are ebbs and flows. Yeah, I mean, go back to your source and ask him if that's something you should dock points for. What? That for, for 45 minutes,
0: out of 270, one tactical change made you look a, a change threw your average. team off. You're being very nitpicky. You got it. You, you <laughs> this you, is what we get paid for. A B plus. That's not, for, Seb, for undefeated, undefeated advancing out of the group.
1: That that's not a mishandling for you. The second half of the no. Wales
0: game. No, we don't give Rob Page credit. He's not a valid manager. Wales isn't a valid team. San Susi, please protect us. Wow, more. incredible. So it was just luck that they got through then. Just no. luck. No, that's what you're just saying. You just no. <laughs> no. How is that just luck? According to you, it is. I mean, he just said it, folks. I, I, I I can't help him. I can't help him. Rewind the tape, literally. Just boop, 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 and you'll you'll see.
2: This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better with the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country. There's no competition. Right now, get five dollars off any eight-corner pizza with code Eight Save. That's the number eight s-a-v-e go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you again try jet's signature eight corner pizza and get five dollars off with code eight save that's the number eight s-a-v-e jet's pizza better because it has to be another day is here and you're ready for
1: it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select
2: devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC.
0: We got some injury updates. Uh, we'll start with Christian Pulisic. Who this, was, this was scary, right? When you yeah. see a, a guy who's come off... Right after scoring a goal in this kind of game, and it's Pulisic, you say, man, he, he must really be hurt. So at first it was an abdominal injury, and then we find out later he goes to the hospital after the game. The injury is then changed to a pelvic contusion, and he's listed day to day. But most importantly, from his hospital belt, Christian Pulisic gets on Instagram. Surely you've seen it by now, and he says, he'll be ready for Saturday. Don't worry. Uh, we apologize for... Uh, any language that might have slid across the screen there. But you can tell how happy Christian Pulisic was. That's the good news. Here's some maybe bad news. Josh Sargent, who got a second start of the World Cup against Iran, came off injured in the second half after an awkward fall on the ball. The news is it's an injury to his right ankle. He's set to go under uh, undergo scans today, according to The Athletic. It's his right ankle. He'd had a left ankle injury for Norwich earlier. So um, we'll see. If I'm looking for good news off social media, I saw him smiling today in a picture with Tim Ream while playing pool. So so hopefully, hopefully uh, some good news there for Josh Sargent as we take a look at the odds for USA, Netherlands. And uh, there you can see it. The computers and odds makers uh, have the U.S. as big time dogs against the Dutch, but no surprise there. All right, time to check the mentions here on football Americas where we dive into Twitter to see what you find folks are thinking. The first one comes from a Twitter account fuera tata. Great uh, Which players will Tata regret most not taking to Qatar? Let's limit it. Let's let's just pick one. You got to pick one because there are some some good choices. Yeah, to me for me it's Diego Laines
1: because really? he, yeah, he's a, he's the 12th guy he's the, he's the first guy off the bench and let's think about argentina for a second okay how that game was for 60 65 minutes um you couldn't get the ball when you had the ball you couldn't really get anything going you were banking on alexis vega and chucky lozano with speed you needed a player to get on the ball mm-hmm. you need a player to take a little bit of steam out of the game sting out of the game maybe absorb a foul or two that's one versus saudi arabia towards the end yeah everything was very vertical Nobody got on the ball. And I feel versus Saudi Arabia, the way it was going, it, it was bound to be a red card, bound to be a penalty kick with a player who's so shifty. He's proven it in games and World Cup qualifying. Comes in, uh, Sadio Steca versus Panama, very shifty, draws a penalty kick, which Raul Jimenez converts. But he is that player when you need somebody on the ball. He's a guy who I think in those moments... Mm-hmm wasn't available. All the other players were like for like. Chuki Lozano is very similar in skill set as uh, Uriel Antuna. They're very vertical players. So is Alvarado. I don't think Alvarado's that shifty I as Tata Martino gives him credit Why for. bring Alvarado when you've got Antuna? Why? I don't know. But but especially when Linus is such a different profile. That's the thing. Yeah. The profile player. Now, we've criticized Greg Berhalter for picking profiles, um, but this is one of the cases where I think profile player would have and should have come into consideration.
0: So I agree with you. To me, Linus is, is the biggest miss because he's the most unique. I might have changed my mind had Henry Martin not had the game that he had tonight, right? Had, had we got a full group phase without a real performance from a number nine, I might have then gone to a Santi Jimenez or a Chicharito. Between those two, who would you have brought if you could only have brought one? Santi Jimenez. Really? Over yeah. Chicharito? Yeah. Based on? form and based I on mean, age. Chicharito has had a good season with the Galaxy, no?
1: Yeah, but they've been they've stopped for a while. And if you're going to pick guys who have stopped for a while... We
0: saw Ache You're yeah. right there. Yeah. yeah. Um,
1: Santiago Jimenez is not only a player who's in form, who I think could help you stretch the field. So you yeah. could use him as a speed player in those double nines, or as a nine just in general. But also what you gain with them for 2026, which I think is very valuable. Yeah.
0: yeah. Alright, let's get to our next tweet here on Fútbol Américas as we Check the mentions from Ross. Ooh, is that Rossington in D.C.? All right. little D.C. love missing home. Uh, compare Chesney's performance with Tim Howard's in 2014 against Belgium. He's on 10 in the 60th minute. Saves. So that's 10 saves in the 60th minute. What did Howard have, 15 or 16? 16, I believe. Uh, in 2014, of course, the biggest of those saves was Chesney against Messi. His second penalty save of this group phase. I think in that regard, Chesney might get the edge because it's actually, like, over two games. Yeah, um absolutely you have to factor in the performance yeah. over two games and stopping although it's group phase hits. versus knockout round so maybe there's a little more
1: weight on what Howard. and did. it's belgium's golden generation versus versus group phase fair but that goal goes in either one of those goals goes in either one of those penalties go in versus saudi arabia or versus argentina and i think poland's not in the situation where they're into mm-hmm. the next round he literally saves them and gets them to the next round um as much as it pains me, it's probably Chesney saving two penalty kicks that were decisive in both of your games
0: for you advancing. That's a ridiculous performance for any goalkeeper. So I've got 12 shots on goal here for Argentina in this game. Nine. Nine. Nine saves uh, for Chesney, according to ESPN.com. Let's get to the last tweet here on Check Dimensions as we get set to wrap up another edition of Football Americas right here on ESPN+. And the third and final tweet comes from none other than El Bet- oh, Sneaking one in under the radar. Can Costa Rica pull off the miracle that Mexico could not? Oh, of he, course, he Costa even, Rica. He even added a little snipe comment right yes, there. Yes, uh, Costa Rica will uh, wrap up their group phase action against Germany. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah? Are yeah. you saying that because you believe in Costa Rica or no. you don't believe in Germany?
1: A little bit of both, but okay. also because I think Spain's proven to be the best team okay. in that group.
0: Think they hammered Japan?
1: No, but they can beat Japan. Um, even with a secondary lineup and an alternate lineup, I, I still feel they can get a result over Japan.
0: The goal difference doesn't
1: worry you? That's probably not
0: going to... Well, hold on. All Costa Rica needs to do is, is essentially tie. Essentially, we get into some math there. But the win's the only only result that guarantees them okay. passage. They don't need to win. So to guarantee passage, yes. But they don't need to win. So they can they can do what Costa Rica loves to do, which is hold for zero zero and maybe nick one at the end, which is exactly what zero, they did against zero, Japan.
1: And this is exactly how they qualified for for the World Cup. They were one of the best teams in CONCACAF in the second half of qualifying wow. defensively look at those
0: odds Costa Rica plus 2600 that's those are worse to odds to win right but those are worse odds than Saudi Arabia had against Argentina Herc. and okay. we remember those were historic
1: now and and it'll be a very difficult task but nothing of this German side has convinced me that it's that, the is, is, that they're yes, invincible. That it's, a, that it's a guarantee that they're invincible. That they will right. uh, do it regardless of how much they should do it. If you're telling me, if you're asking me, if Costa Rica has a chance, yeah, they yeah. have got a chance. Yeah, the group blends
0: itself. Yep. Spain wins and they get a draw. They're there through. you go. So uh, we shall see what happens with the Costa Rica as the World Cup rolls on here in Qatar. But that'll do it for us. So another four years. For For Hercules Gomez. For Tata and Greg. For producer Betao, and for our incredible production team, both here and back in Los Angeles and in Bristol. I love you all. I'm going to go cry myself to sleep. We'll see you tomorrow on Football Americas, right here on ESPN+. (laughs) Buenas noches, desde Doha.